Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Stand with me and meet me in the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 10. 2 Samuel 10, and we'll begin reading in verse number 9. 2 Samuel 10 and verse number 9. Also continue to be in prayers for Samantha Whitney. This week she's going to be induced. It's coming Tuesday, so remember her. Amen. Tonight, everything goes okay with her labor and delivery and bringing another child into this world helper to that point in time as well. Amen. 2 Samuel 10 and verse 9. The Bible says, when Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose all the choice men of Israel, put them in array against the Syrians. The rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. The Lord do that which seemeth him good. Joab drew nigh the people that were with him to the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. Tonight, real simple title for these verses of Scripture this evening. I just want to entitle it this. We're in this together. We're or we are, if you'd prefer that, in this together. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. We're in this together. High tide, low tide. We're in this together. Let's ask God will help us for the next few moments. Father, I love you, Jesus, tonight. Oh, God, we want to be mindful, Lord, of you in this place. Praying, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit, the anointing of your spirit, God, to fall. And, Lord, that it would come into this house, my mind, my lips. God, to be able to speak some acceptable words, I pray, God, to the hearers, Lord, that said on these pews here this evening. I pray, oh, Lord, today, God, we want to center our lives around this. Let our mind be stayed upon this. God, to focus, Lord, for the next few minutes, God, upon what you might want to say, God, to the church. Your word says that the Spirit speaketh expressively, God, and we want to know what the Spirit has to say, Lord, here tonight, God. We open our lives, we open our minds and hearts to it, God, to be ready to receive it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen in the church. Say amen. You may be seated tonight. We're in this. We're in this together. 
The terminology related to warfare, battles, call them whatever you may, opposition, struggle, none of those things are uncommon terms in the Word of God. These are not terms that are assigned to some group of people only from the first century or predating the first century, but they are expressions that are used even for the modern-day church. Us as Christians even today, Paul told the Ephesian Christians in Ephesians 6 that there was a necessity for them putting on the whole armor of God. The word picture that Paul used was not that they were to put on a suit of God or a clothing of God or the gardening attire of God, but he emphatically said the armor of God. Even the notable psalmist David, with having a bend toward his musical abilities and talents and writing songs, as it were, stated, he said, The Lord taught my hands to war and his fingers, my fingers to fight. He was just as much known as a man of war as he was a musician and it appears throughout the scriptures he's known for his warfare and that any battle or war that ever came up in his life it doesn't seem except maybe one that he ever shied away from however David kind of pulls back the curtain on his life and the veil on his life and allows us to see behind the curtain and although he he is a person that was very worshipful and inclined to praise the Lord through song and through harp and all of that seemed to come second nature to David. But whenever it came to war and fighting, he said, God had to teach me a thing or two about that. It was in the military terms that Paul spoke to Timothy and told him, Timothy, you're going to have to endure the hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Timothy, it's not wise for you to entangle yourself in the matters and the affairs of this life whenever you have been called to be a warrior, when you've been called to be a soldier. You are, Timothy, a man called to war. And so in certain regards, Timothy, you must sever yourself from the happenings of your homeland. You must sever yourself from the happenings of the life that is outside of this. Timothy, if you're going to enlist in this army physically, and you're going to enlist in this army mentally, you must understand there's going to be some battles at hand. You don't just sign your name to the role with an expectation that there will never be any opposition. There will never be any battle. He said, when you enlisted, you enlisted for the purpose of fighting. You didn't enlist as a non-combatant. You're enlisted in this war as a fighter. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice, church family, amen, to only have maybe only one battle every once in a while? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice just to deal with one at a time or even for that matter? How about something a little better than that? Wouldn't it be nice to have no battle at all? But however, we understand that's an impossibility in this life. That's an impossibility in this Christian life. It's quite, it's quite evident tonight that if we'd rather skip the hardship 
and live a life without any tribulation, any testing, any mockery, any, any discouragement, any ill feelings, any times of being down. If we would like that type of life, then here's your prescription tonight. Aspire to do nothing great for God. Aspire to do nothing great for God because the bottom line is this. If you want to lessen the likelihood of facing opposition or at least lower your risk for the chance of meeting up with it, just don't do anything for God then. Don't do anything for God then because it's through much tribulation, as Paul told us, that we enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus even said in this life to his disciples, you will have tribulation. Job, he said, I am a man born of a woman and a man that is born of a woman is born unto trouble as the sparks fly Upward, Ladies and gentlemen, we have been called soldiers in this army of the Lord. And it's for that very reason that there will be, shall be, has been warfare. We're not a group of people here tonight that are a bunch of reserves. <laughs> We're not a bunch of reserves. We are in active duty. There's going to be a battle. Someone say, Amen. But the problem sometimes is this. We many times are like Joab. We have hostile approaches that are coming, but they are coming more than one at a time. Joab found himself in such a position that he looked before him and he had an adversary and he looked behind him and he had an adversary. And he finds himself sandwiched right between both oppositions. It seems like sometimes, I don't know what your occurrence is, but it seems like sometimes hostile environments, adversaries, and enemies don't come one at a time. Money, they're going to come in twos and threes and, and so on and so forth. In other words, what I'm saying is if you're dealing with sickness, you're sure to also to deal with some type of clients quit working at the same time. Uh, if, you're, if you're dealing with a family feud, then there's going to be a spirit that you're going to contend with that's going to attack your personality, your self-esteem, your walk, your relationship with God. They don't come singly, but, but they come hand in hand. And the thing is, life doesn't just isolate its battles for us. Life doesn't come in isolated battles and just isolated difficulties. Oftentimes we find ourselves much like the children of Israel did when they were trying to get out of Egypt. There's a Red Sea in front of them. There's a hostile army behind them. On either hand, there's obstacles that are insurmountable on either side. And sometimes, believe it or not, life all comes at once. And perhaps that's why on more than one occasion that David has been seen and caught pinning the words that his heart and his spirit had been overwhelmed. You ever been overwhelmed? His heart and his spirit have been overwhelmed within him. I like what someone once said. He said, I tried to make, I try to take life one day at a time, but lately several days have attacked me all at once. <laughs> Amen. Try to just, you know, just take it as it comes, but lately it's all came all at once. And what comes to be is this there's some things that assail us that just don't make sense. Yeah. I mean, in the previous chapter, chapter number 9, David has shown compassion and kindness to Mephibosheth. 
the son of Jonathan. He has shown that kindness and compassion to Mephibosheth for his father Jonathan's sake. And now in chapter number 10, it started out. He's showing compassion to another man for his father's sake. Well, whenever Mephibosheth was shown compassion, it was readily received. It was accepted. It was acknowledged. A thank you, if you will, a gesture came his way. But now that he's showing kindness again to another man because of that man's father, the Bible says that man rejects David rejects his kindness he humiliates his soldiers humiliates his men and now an army of people are turned against David and his men now you start to reason that out. I mean where did that come from I mean that's kind of like it's out of left field so there's some things that come into our life by means of battle sometimes we're like what's this where'd this come from this this doesn't make any since I'm in this situation, it would seem for no apparent reason. By no undoing of my own, I find myself in the middle of the battle. And I am caught off guard. Someone say amen. And the Bible says in verse 7 that evidently it indicates that David and Joab and Abishai, they were forced, because of the army gathering, they were forced to defend themselves. Men were being gathered to fight against them. They didn't pick a fight. The fight presented itself. And they defended. How many? I understand. There's sometimes it goes, some people go looking for a fight. I tell you what, there's sometimes I find fights finding me. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't go looking for one. I wasn't searching under rocks or in any dark alleys. But it just came and found me. And I'm thinking, where did this come from? I mean, what is this for? What Have you ever asked yourself, what did I do to deserve? You're my people. We're the same tribe. What did I do to deserve this? Amen. But thankfully, because we're a part of the family of God, the body of Christ, none of us have to do our fighting on our own because this body isn't a single eye. It's not a single ear. It's not a single foot. But we are members of the body of Christ. And when the body is attacked, we are in this thing together. Someone say amen. I told you before, but even in the military, even in the Marines, they train their soldiers. Boys, whenever you dig a foxhole and you're preparing for combat, you dig a hole big enough for two people to fit down inside that hole because you want to know that you're not going to be fighting in this battle all alone, but there's going to be someone there strengthening you, uplifting your hands, someone that's going to be in the same predicament that you are, keep you so you won't panic, so you won't fret, so you won't throw in the towel. Amen. Hey man, just 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 knowing that someone's there, even if you got to divide and conquer, it's comfort knowing that you're not in this thing alone. The Bible tells us that Joab had to do just that. Hey man, with Abishai and David, they had to divide and conquer. Joab is looking before him. There's opposition. He's looking behind him. There's opposition. And he is in the middle. He's dealing with two fronts, if you will, of battle. That's against him. Amen. And might I say tonight, sometimes we are in that position where our battles consist of what's behind us, our past, where we've been, and what's ahead of us, our future, the unknown, uncharted territory 
of where God is taking us. Amen. Joab begins to read things well. The Bible states as though Joab was facing the gate. And so the Bible says the Ammonites were in array there at the gate of the entrance into the city. And there were Syrians out here then behind, out in the open behind Joab, arrayed behind him. And the Bible tells us that Joab thought to himself, I'm going to choose my best men for those that are behind me. I'm going to choose my best men for the Syrians. If I can draw just a line. He says, I'm going to choose the best to contend with my past. I'm going to choose the best to contend with my past. Amen. Because here's the thing about our past. Our past is so effective in fighting against us that you'll never reach your future if the voices and the persuasions of your past have their way. So Joab says, because it's hard to monitor what's behind you. Huh? Mom, you say she had eyes in the back of her head. I don't know. But it's hard to monitor what goes on behind you and in your past. Joab says, I'm going to send my best men to what's behind me. What would be difficult, if you will, to monitor. I'm going to send them back there. And so I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight my best right there. I'm going to show my best strategy right there. I'm going to send my best men right there because the future, what's ahead of me, will be no problem as long as I know what's behind me is being taken care of. Someone say amen. And so the Bible says that when the children, verse 14, that when the children of Israel, when the children of Ammon, rather, that was before Joab, whenever they saw that the Syrians that were behind him, amen, that they fled, the Bible says that the Ammonites also before Abishai fled as well. In other words, as there was the army there fighting against the past and fighting against those that were behind, whenever those enemies started to flee, amen, those that were in front got notice of them fleeing. They said, you know what? We have no competition here ourselves. We're going to head on out of town and get out of here as well. Amen. Joab had set what was in front of them in the hands of his brother Abishai. And so Joab's not overconfident. He's not thinking, I can do all of this by myself. I can do all of this alone. He knew himself and he knew his brother. He knew that they were not fighting separate battles. Listen, he knew they were not fighting separate battles. One may have been against the Assyrians and one may have been against the Ammonites, but both of those forces were on the same team. This boils down, maybe somebody said a few Wednesdays ago, everything that's coming against your life, they are all playing on the same team, folks. You might have one battle concerning your finances, another one concerning your health, another one concerning, if you will, just peace among the relationships of the family. They all are serving on the same team. And so even us in this congregation, I might not be facing what you're facing and you might not be facing what I'm facing, but what we are facing, they are all serving on the same team and we are in this thing together. You might be fighting your health. Another one might be fighting the lack of wealth. But we're on the same team because what's against us are on the same team as well. We are not in this thing alone. And here's what blows my mind, Brother Gregory. If the adversary can get a team effort to come against us, I think we should be able to link arms 
to better our team. If they can get their mastermind and plan to come at this angle and that angle, we'll try this and that, and we're, they're all serving on the same team and they're doing it for the demise, if you will, of your family, your church family, how much the more, how much the more should the church of the living God that's been purchased by his most precious blood be able to link together arm in arm, spear with spear, shield with shield, and say, I tell you what, we're not going under on this fashion if they can have a form of unity. We're going to have a form of unity right here. Amen. It frustrates me to think that my adversary can organize an all-in group effort attack better than we can arrange our defense against the attack. Now, so there's Joab. His group against the Syrians. There's Abishai, his brother. Their group against the Ammonites. The Bible states particularly when they go into battle that Joab sets his army in array against the Syrians. Abishai sets his army in array against the Ammonites. What I'm gleaning from this tonight is this, folks. They set their defense facing their trouble. They set their defense facing their trouble. When your defense isn't set up facing the opponent, Let's take it in the realm of sporting events. Whenever the defense isn't set facing the opponent, that is when players in the realms of whatever sport you would wish to choose have mistakenly scored points for the other team. They got the ball, and they ran to their opponent's end. Score, and they did the happy dance, only to realize the crowd is somewhat silent. Because they had their defense set in the wrong direction. Hallelujah. Folks, but whenever we get our, our defense set, when we set ourselves against the enemy, there is no confusion. There's no confusion on who is being opposed and who's doing the opposing. Honey, we, we don't need to get out here on the battlefield and have a hard time distinguishing who's doing the defending and who's doing the offending. We're in this together. We don't need nobody switching sides and trying to start scoring for the opposite team. We're in this thing together. I don't need you to change jerseys midstream and start going down a line that's rather against me rather than for me. I need you in this same boat and we need to be headed in the same direction with the same mind, with the same goal, with the same intent. We're in this thing together. We must minimize confusion on the battlefield. We gotta, we gotta minimize this. We gotta minimize the confusion on the battlefield, folks. We must do this. We must do this. Amen. Because we can't, we're not gonna hope our trouble away. 
We're not going to ignore it away. Huh? We got to face it head on. Set your army in array against it. All time said, there's only basically two, two responses. The way that pe people deal with trouble. They either run to God or they run away from him. And I have a hard time distinguishing whether you're on my team when you're running away. I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight because you all here, but I have a hard time distinguishing who, who is on my team whenever they're running in the opposite direction that we need to be going. <laughs> Someone say amen. We can't hope it away. We can't go over here and crawl in the corner and suck our thumb and assume the fetal position and just think, well, one of these days it's all going to be okay. It's going to get better. It's going to get easier. Folks, it's just going to get harder. But you're going to have to square your shoulders back. You're going to have to put your cleats down in the ground and say, I'm here to stay. I'm in this thing. I'm here for the long haul. I know there's adversaries, but I'm not going to turn my back to them. I'm setting my face to the wind. Amen. Bible says in verse 11, here's Joab, here's what he said. He said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou, my brother Abishai, you, you come and help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for you, then I'll come and help you. Folks, in this little nutshell of this verse 11, is, is the code of the brotherhood. It's the code of the brotherhood. And that is, if my attack is too strong for me, you'll come and help me. But if your attack is too strong for you, then I'm going to come and help you. Because alone we're strong, but together we're stronger. Code of the brotherhood is this. Brother, if you're having a hard time and it seems like you're holding it pretty good, but you're at a place where you're just about to buckle, you're just about to bow, man, just wave a hand because I'm on my way over. You're a strong man, but we're a whole lot stronger together than we are apart. Somebody see me over here just flanging around in the wind, not able to take it anymore. Come on over because we're in this thing together and we are fighting the same adversary. We're fighting a team of adversaries. Yes, 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 yes. Nehemiah understood the value of people working as individuals, but he also understood the value of those individuals coming together as a corporate body and a corporate people working together. The Bible says in Nehemiah 4, when they're at that stage that the wall is halfway built, halfway there, halfway to that place of having succeeded, 
building the walls and putting the gates and bars back upon the entrances and the exits to the town and city of Jerusalem. He said, and I said unto the nobles in verse 19, to the rulers and to the rest of the people, he said, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. He says, in what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, sound of the trumpet with the distinction of the sound was in an assembly for war. He said, in what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye hither unto us, and our God shall fight for us. You know what Nehemiah's saying? He says, I know you are rebuilding the wall over here in front of your house, and I know you got occupation, preoccupation with things that's going on in your life over here, and I know we're separated, and at times it feels as though we're far distance from one another, from each other's circumstances, issues, and situations. He says, but I'm here to tell you, if my eyes or my ears pick up on an enemy, if my eyes or ears pick up on an adversary, there's the man that holds the trumpet standing by me, and he's going to sound it and there's going to be a rallying point so that we're going to come together not as you and you as Fred and Paul and Nick or whoever he says but we're going to come together as one unit as one family as one entity as one church and we're going to go to battle because honey we are in this thing together together We're separated here on the wall. Those boys were separated. The Bible describes the way in which they were working because they knew the threat of an adversary on any side. The Bible says with one hand they worked with a trowel, with building the wall, and with the other hand they had their sword. It was such a compromising position. They just never knew. They couldn't totally give themselves to the work because there was the by chance of fighting that was going to be needed. But they couldn't totally give themselves to the warfare because something still needed to be built. Honey, that's our place. We need to have our hands full in the first apostolic church. When we're not fighting, we need to be building. And when we're not building, we need to be fighting. But you can't lay down the trowel, nor can you lay down the sword. you got to keep your hands full. If you've been going around saying, you know, I just feel like I'm busy all the time, my hands are full. It should be because we are in war and we're in a building project. And both are needful and necessary and important for the kingdom of God. The trumpet sounded for war. They were in that together. And Joab was letting Abishai know in 2 Samuel 10. Neither of us, buddy, he's real brother, neither of us are going to fight alone if we perceive the attack is too strong for us as an individual. And I told him, if you think the attack's too strong, notice, it was if the perception of the individual in his army that was fighting, if he thought it was too strong for him, not if it was too strong for them. In other words, it was just really a owning, a owning and evaluating, 
I can't do this by myself, but I could probably do it if somebody would help me. I'm telling you right now, I can't do this by myself. The task is too big. Task is too big. I can't do this by myself. But I think I could fight a tiger if somebody helped me. I think I'd take a lion by his beard if somebody would just help me just a little bit. Amen. And so he's just letting him know we're not going to be fighting this thing by ourselves. Folks, well, we're not scaling. We're not scaling no mountain by ourselves. Whenever Moses had Joshua and the children of Israel down in the valley fighting against the adversary. The Bible says that Moses went up the mountain, but he did not go by himself. And whenever his hands got too heavy up on the mountain, when they were up, there was victory happening. When they were down, they were being defeated. But when his hands became too heavy for, amen, holding them up, the Bible says what went up the mountain was there, Aaron and her, to help him keep his arms lifted and steady until the victory came. Someone hear me. We need some until the victory comes, people. I don't know if I'm knocking something over. We need some un until the victory comes, people. Not till lunch comes. <laughs> until the victory comes. If Joab joined Abishai, Joab's not cutting out after the army that he was against gets defeated. No, he's staying until the Ammonites are defeated too, the army that his brother was fighting against. Everything is not well unless all things are well. Does that make sense? Everything is not well until all things are well. And I'm not just talking about for me, but me and you and you and you. Uh-huh, because whenever one rejoices all, whenever one mourns all, because we're in this thing together. Amen. Verse 12. When we look at verse 12, there, there is the ultimate cry. The ultimate cry was this. That everybody, this is the cry of Joab before they even enter it. Everybody is going to have to do their part. See, let us play the men today. You can keep that up there. Let it, we, we must play the men today. Another version says it like this. We got to act like men today. We got to act like men today. We got to act like saints today. We got to act like Christians today. We got to act like people that's been born again in the water and the spirit today. We got to act like people that has the sanction of the holy God, the creator of the universe, upon our lives today. We got to act like there's power in prayer. We got to act like it's important to raise our hands and worship and give honor. We got to act like the people of God. We got to act like men today. We got to act like men. We got to do our part. We got to do our part as soldiers. We got to do our part as warriors. You, you got to set. Uh, you got to set an array against them, and I got to set an array against them. You got to. I, I, I can't be over here worrying whether or not you're doing your part. Because my back's to you, and your back's to me. I can't be thinking over here while I'm fighting if he's upholding his end of the deal. 
So we, we, we got to do our part. We got to act like men. We got to act like men. But here's where the rubber meets the road. We got to do our part. Someone says, I'll do it. We got to do our part. But he closes it like this. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. He says, we got to do our part. But whenever the smoke settles today, whatever God deems right and good for us in this moment is what it shall be. But that does not. Eliminating us from doing what we need and have been called and signed up for to do. In other words, we got to do our best, guys. But we got to lead the results of what is good in God's sight to him. Whether what's good to God is victory. Here's the one that's hard to swallow. Or whether what's good seemeth good to God, is defeat by our standards. When we lay our heads down to rest at night, victory or defeat, what seemeth good to God's been done, and we'll lay our heads down at night if we've done our part, knowing just that. we done everything that we knew to do, and we upheld our end. supposed to be consolation in that. My wife tells me this quite often. Concerning services sometimes. I might, I, might be, I might leave here sometimes frustrated down on myself uh, by a message or teaching or something. And she always asks me the same questions. Did you, did you study this week? Yes. Did you pray? Did you do, 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 do? She goes to the bills. Yes, 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 yes. Then she says, you've done everything you could do. So I'm supposed to get consolation for that. Some days I do, some days I don't. But nevertheless, but I'm supposed to get consolation from the fact that whenever it's all said and done, you've done everything that you could, that was said. They hit the enemy head on. They would know when they lay down. They hit the enemy head on. They'd know whenever they laid down that if the other needed it, they helped the other. If necessary, they helped the other. There's a scenario like that. This is a very common story, but if you don't know it, let's share it of Daniel 3 and verse 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but it's facing a fiery furnace, facing, if you will, and add the seri of fire and a king that's going to put them in there if they do not bow. And they did not. But their response to the king in verse 17 is, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Verse 18. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve Thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying this. At the end of the day, if he has victory or if he hasn't defeat, they said, we're going to know that we did everything that we knew to do. Now watch this. There's something else, Lord, contained in these scriptures. He says in verse 18, if not, we will not serve. If not, if you don't, still yet, we will not serve by God's. This is a statement right here. Not this one, but this one I'm about ready to say. This is a statement that, that was written about or of General George Washington before he was ever president of the United States. The statement concerning him was this. About George Washington. Said he, that is George Washington, understood that the way he acted in victory 
was just as crucial as the way he carried himself in defeat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not only that, with pending whatever the results were going to be for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their vow was this. Even if today is going to end defeat, and almost as though even if we know, if we knew ahead of time right now, it was going to end defeat, that's not going to change how we were, how we are acting right now. Remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, Joshua is now leader in command of Israel. Moses has already passed on. They are making their, their spearhead front into uh, the land of Canaan. They come to that first city of Jericho. Joshua and Israel wins the battle of Jericho. And the Bible says at the day's end of having won the battle against Jericho, this greatly fortified city had walls around. Remember the walls fell down? Greatly fortified city. Those walls were several feet thick. They said, they said more than one, a couple, a few uh, chariots could ride on the top of the walls, around the walls of Jericho. So we're talking about very large. And so, man, that seems like a, a big, you know, victory, a big feat. The Bible says after all that was said and done, that his fame, Joshua's fame, was noised throughout all the country. You know, you get a victory like that, that almost makes you want to just square your shoulders back just a little bit, you know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, you know, you make sure your boots are polished whenever you walk out on the battlefield, whenever stuff like that starts going around, and you, you kind of feel pretty good, you know, about what happened. But then the Bible says in the very next battle, the battle against Ai, they lost. And when that happens, Joshua is hitting the ground. His face is in the soil. And he's fell before the ark of the Lord. Wow. Victory. His name is famed everywhere. Defeat. He's flat on his face before the presence of the Lord. <laughs> Look at this now. Joshua 7 and verse 7. And Joshua said, this is Joshua in his moment of defeat, faces in the ground. Joshua said, alas, O Lord. I'll just read through these three verses and then we'll break it apart. Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? In other words, God, why did you bring us across? Why did you allow us to get across this Jordan? To deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and the destroyers. Why did you bring us through the Jordan to just be slaughtered? He said, would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Oh, God. Let me go and read through these. I got to read through them. Just hear him out. Oh, Lord, what shall I say? He said, when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies, because this has happened now, what am I going to say? When Israel's tucking tail and running now from their, their enemies. He says, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do until thy great name? Listen. We tend to confuse things after defeat. Mm -hmm. We tend to confuse things after defeat. Because now, before victory, Joshua named fame through the land. But now, he's saying, God, why did you get us into this mess? <laughs> the boy not thinking straight. He not. 
Why'd you, why'd you get us into this mess? And look, look at that phrase. Would to God we had been content. God, I wish we would. Listen, look at the people. I wish we would have stayed content in the place that you weren't content with, God. Do you hear what I just said? Confusion happens when defeat. God, uh, we would have been better if we would just stayed content on the other side of Jordan where you didn't want us. And then he said, what, what are we going to do? The children of Israel, the next time we go to battle, the next time we go into battle, they're going to turn their, their backs before. They're, see, they're not going to hit them head on. They're not going to raid the army. They're going to turn their backs. You know what Joshua was saying? He's saying this failure right here will just result in another failure and future failures. And this tops it all off, guys. This really does. I can't wait to tell you. It tops it all off. Here's how confusing defeat can get. All these other things. Then he just finishes up with this. God, what wilt thou do unto thy great Name. God, all this negativity, this, this defeat that's happened. God, how's all this reflect upon your name? Let me give you junior interpretation. I'm worried really about my name, God. But God, what about your name? The man who just had victory and his name was famed across the land. He wasn't really concerned about God's name as much as he was his. <laughs> you know, God, this, it kind of got out that I'm kind of a big thing. We and the boys, we rocked at Jericho. Now we come to little peony uh, AI, and my face is in the dust, God. Now what about your, no, what about your name, Joshua? What, what, what about... Your name. And we go back to this, folks. Again, the prescription is this. Victory or defeat. It is as it seemeth good to God. Newsflash. Everything that seems good to God may not seem good or even feel good to you. Nevertheless, we are in this thing together with I wonder if whenever he was victorious, if he had placed his face in the earth before the presence of the ark. I know there was, I know aching and sin and all this other stuff taking place, but I'm just talking about keeping a level head, a proper, constant, same, similar response, victory and in defeat. Now notice, notice what happens. I'm coming to a close. I am in case anybody's getting nervous. You're fine. Sun's still shining outside. You know. I should preach twice as long because there's about half of us here, so. <laughs> Joab comes to the place. Whenever the Syrians between began to flee from Joab and his army, the Ammonites catch notice of it that are on the front side and they begin to flee from Abishai, his brother. Look now. So here's Joab with his army. 
Here's all the enemies, vicious enemies right here, scoundrels, low-down, dirty nothings. These guys begin to run, tail tucked between their legs. They're like, mommy. Okay. And then here's Abishai. Now, Abishai's back is to Joab. They are not, they are not aware of the faring of each other unless someone denotes it, unless they call out to each other. And while Abishai is over here doing his fight, the enemy is leaving over there, and all of a sudden he knows. Seems like fighting hasn't changed here, but the enemy is leaving. Look what happens. Joab's victory becomes Abishai's victory because they're in this thing. A win for you is my win as well. And a win for me is your win as well. God blessed you financially. He blessed me. He healed your body. That's my win. When you're a part of this thing called the body of Christ, your victory, our victory, becomes each other's victory. And whenever we win, the other wins. If you will, if you will, folks, if we will, if we will successfully fight and get, if you will, a little reprieve from what is coming against us, listen to me, it will influence how hard my enemy will fight against me. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Get it in your mind. If, 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 just for instance, okay, if Brother Bob Gross is dealing with vertigo and Brother Johnson is dealing with perhaps some bad news concerning his Crohn's, but it comes out that it wasn't Crohn's and it was good news, that influences the way that your adversary views you because you are in this thing together. Because this is a team effort. It's not fighting against the individual. They're fighting against a team. And if the team and the captain of their team is that successful on this front, he may be that successful on that front as well. So I'm backing up away from it. Hallelujah. Folks, somehow, you can stand with me. Somehow, somehow the adversary knows, he really knows, when we are truly in this thing together or when we're in this thing as individuals. He knows when we are playing on the same team or in terms of basketball, Brother Andrew, whenever somebody's trying to be a ball hog. He knows when there's teamwork going on and that synergy taking place, and when someone's just out there to strike a name or a fancy or just trying to drive it all home themselves. He's also aware that if it becomes, he's aware of the dynamics that even Job has described in this chapter. He's aware that if it becomes too much for either of us, recruits are going to be coming in, filing in line to wherever the opposition is to strengthen the line of defense against the adversary. The Bible says this in closing, Deuteronomy 32, in verse 30, we see the occurrence of this phraseology in more than one place in the Bible. 
the question is posed. It says, how should one chase a thousand? How should one chase a thousand? And two put 10,000 to flight. Except their rock had sowed them. In other words, except the opposing force, except their leader, their God, would have sowed them. The Lord had shut them up. He says in verse 31, he says, For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. He says, how can one put a thousand and two, ten thousand? Because these are two that are not operating individually. If you, they were operating individually, one would put a thousand and another would put a thousand. But they're in this thing together. So one puts a thousand and two puts ten thousand. And uh, mostly because our rock is not like their rock. He's not going to leave us dangling somewhere without some motive or intent, without doing what seemeth good unto him. I close with this last little quote. I really do. Part of this body of Christ. A long time ago, I pinned this down electronically and stuff that I keep together. It's just good to kind of tuck back in our minds and on our molars. Brother Pastor Court Chavis, he said this. He said, whenever, whenever you feel, whenever you feel that you're having an attack coming against the church whether that be one member or whether that be several members he said it would behoove whoever is doing that to remember that it's not wise to attack a man's bride we're all part of the bride of Christ and we're in this thing together if we bow our heads at this place tonight thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.